Tonight, uh, we are going to be starting a new series, and that is because we are in a new uh, season on the church calendar. Who knows what season we're in? Who, shout it out. Lent. Yes, we are in the season of Lent. And this Lent, we are going to be in a series uh, looking at uh, the word that they had to spell out up there on in the game, forgiveness. And we're going to be looking at five different stories in the Bible where we see Jesus and he has different uh, takes, ideas, lenses on the idea of forgiveness and how much it means uh, in both our life as we give forgiveness and as we look to receive forgiveness in different situations. But before we get into forgiveness, uh, we are going to kind of look at something that Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount lays out as kind of like a build up to the idea of forgiveness. It's kind of like a runway, right? If you're on a plane and you, the plane needs the entire length of the runway in order to be ready to take off. And uh, this thing that we're gonna look at tonight in our scripture passage is called the Lord's Prayer. And it's kind of Jesus's runway towards forgiveness. And the thing about forgiveness and the thing about the Lord's Prayer that we're gonna look at is this idea of posture. So when I say posture, what, do you, what does that mean? Like when, when you hear that, what are you thinking of? When I hear posture, sit, I saw a lot of people sit up straight. Yeah, anything else? Posture, sitting up straight is the main thing. So posture, body language, kind of the nonverbal uh, cues, like nonverbal communication, you could even say, of like the things that you're doing, like how you're standing can communicate a lot to you. And when I think of posture, uh, I think of, I don't know why this is probably says a lot about me, but I first think of my parents and when they're mad at me. And so you have different postures when your parents get mad at you. They do the like the hip on the point, uh, the hip on the uh, hand on the hip and the point, the angry point, like the finger wag. Uh, there's a couple. I literally Googled parents angry posture and this is what came up. And you got like the like the what are you doing? The, the classic, the what are you doing? How many of you guys have seen a what are you doing? from your parents, yeah. And then the third one that came up, this one terrified me, the belt. Do people still get the belt? I feel like that's a no-no these days. But it came up on the Google, and that, that's a posture that's very clear to read. That's nonverbal cue that you do not need much uh, to, to pick up on. But for my parents, <clears throat> for my parents, uh, they're kind of, they have two distinctive kind of sets of postures, right? So when my mom is angry, she, she stands, she can't sit. It's almost like, like you know how I'm, I'm antsy and I move around when I talk and stuff? She's like that when she gets mad. She'll cross her arms and then when she's talking, she'll wave her arms around and, and uh, she'll shake her head like just the, the disappointment and the rage monster inside of her. She just can't stay still. She's, just a, she's a mover. And when we finally get to the words, right, she yells. My mom is a yeller. Uh, she is loud like me in general, but when she gets mad, that volume goes up, 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 up. She's a yeller. And my dad, total opposite. He, in literally the word that comes to mind when for all of his movements when he's mad is, is stillness, is quiet. My dad, like, every movement is intentional. It's very focused. It's very still. He sits down when he wants to talk to you when he's mad. He stares you right in the eye. He makes eye contact. My mom, like, you know when you're mad and you're just like looking all over because you don't even want to look at you because if I look at you one more time, I'm going to be mad. Like my dad's like, no, we're going to have this conversation eye to eye. He's still, he's quiet in his posture. 
when he's upset. And the, when I talk about my parents being mad at me, I flash back to this one instance in high school. And uh, I was in this class called AP Stats. Uh, not a very exciting class for me. I did not enjoy it. And so I attempted to uh, withdraw from the class to switch out into a different class because I was like, mom, I don't like AP stats. I don't need it. I'm just taking it because my friends were taking it. I don't want to be in this. And the teacher wouldn't let me drop the class. I had my mom's signature. I had my guidance counselor's signature on the form. The principal said, totally fine, do whatever you want. The teacher would not sign the form, would not let me drop the class. And so I decided to be that kid in the class for the rest of the semester. I was gonna do well in the class so that she couldn't say like, hey, stop talking, like you have a D, like, you know, be quiet. I was gonna get an A, but I was gonna annoy her to death, like as punishment for not letting me drop the class. And we get through the semester, I'm easily her least favorite student, and we get to the AP test. And back in, back in my day at the AP test, they gave you all this scrap paper and uh, I was not, I didn't care about the AP test and you don't have to pay for it. That was the nice part. So like now you guys have to pay for an AP test, right? If you want to take it. So then the school district paid for it. So I was getting the free AP test, but I didn't care about AP stats. So I went in there. I was like, I'm bombing this. I'm not studying. Who cares? So I went into AP stats ex uh, uh, exam, the AP exam. I, I took the test really fast. And then you have all that time. You have to wait for everybody to be done. And so my friend Kendall and I, uh, Kendall sat next to me in class every day and he sat next to me at the AP exam. Kendall and I, we decided to fill our time, the remaining time of the AP exam with, you know, just some fun stuff. So we built a log cabin out of pencils until the proctor came over and was like, guys, you, seriously, you need to stop doing that. Like you're distracting people. We're like, okay, okay, okay. And then uh, Kendall and I started playing in our scrap paper that they was provided for us. We started playing like hangman and like little like drawing pencil games. And she was like, guys, it looks like, it looks like you're cheating. You, 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 I know you turn, you're done with the test, but like you need to stop it. And we're like, okay, okay, okay. And then finally, uh, at that time, it was very big and it was very cool to be into uh, like what you would consider SoundCloud rap. So before SoundCloud, this is gonna blow your minds. Before SoundCloud, there was another website that basically did the exact same thing as SoundCloud. And it was called DatPiff, okay? I don't even know if it still exists because this is so long ago in my life. But so me and my friends super into like the, the mixtape, the underground rap. And so we were like, we're going to write a rap in this free time about AP stats and how much we don't like it. And we don't like the teacher. So we're writing the, the rap. We're passing it back and forth. Like I'll write a line. He writes a line, whatever. And then when you, at finally time comes to turn in the test, put the test away, like hand it in. All the scrap paper gets thrown away. No biggie. So then like a month later, apparently, I don't know if they still do this, but apparently they sent the scrap paper to the teacher so they could see like, how, how are they working out the work and all that stuff. So on my scrap paper, not Kendall's, but my scrap paper is now this rap that uh, she kept calling it a poem when I had to meet with the principal, when, <laughs> which was hilarious. But the rap that Kendall and I had written that we had very dumbly signed our names on at the bottom, <laughs> written by, um, about how much we hated her and we hated the AP stats class was now in the possession of my teacher who then talked to the principal, who then called my parents, all before I knew they had it. So I come home 
from school, from practice. I get home and I walk in and my mom, she's, she, they're just waiting. She's doing one of these guys. She's pacing. My dad is just sitting there, just staring at the door, waiting for me. And by their posture, I can tell how upset they are. I can tell a lot from their posture before I even knew what was going on. Our posture communicates so much. Our posture can tell a story. So, it can, so much can be inferred and, and decided from someone's posture that you don't even need to have the verbal conversation. It's, it's communicated right there. And tonight we're gonna look at Matthew chapter six. Jesus talks a lot of things, a lot, about a lot of things. It's the Sermon on the Mount. But tonight we're gonna focus on the Lord's Prayer. Like I said, and there's these postures that he asks us to take. But before he gets into the Lord's Prayer, there's a few knots things that we're not supposed to do as we're talking about prayer, as we're talking about posture towards God. And, and it's up on the screen there, verse five through eight. And when you pray, Jesus says, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not, a third time, be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask them. So he says right off the bat, before we even get to what, we, what our posturing, what our prayer life needs to look like, it needs to not look like this. Like the hypocrites who, who are doing it so that others will see that they're doing it doing it for that recognition. That's not what prayer is about, Jesus says. Doing it because, uh, you know, just throwing up a million words, a million uh, like things that sound nice but don't mean anything in your prayers, don't do that, Jesus says. But so the what do we do? And he gets into the Lord's Prayer in verse nine, the next uh, verse, and he says, pray, land, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we're gonna go line by line. Each line is a different posture. A posture of perspective from this verse. That there is a holy God and I am not him. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, not my name. A holy God who knows what is going on always. A holy God who is in control and I am not that him. The posture of perspective is starting off this prayer, starting off our journey down the runway towards forgiveness by realigning our perspective on who it is that is in charge. It's not us, it's God. The next verse has the next posture, the posture of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, not my kingdom, but your will, your kingdom. To have the posture of surrender is to acknowledge that God's direction for our life it's probably not gonna be as comfortable as we'd want. It's not gonna be always happy, good times, at all times, but his will is always right and it is always good. Like I said, we're in the season of Lent. A lot of you knew that already. And uh, we're gonna be looking at this idea of forgiveness each and every week through different lenses as we head towards Easter, where Jesus, and Easter is the celebration of what? What happens on Easter? Jesus, something happened, Good Friday, Jesus died, there we go. And then what happened on Easter? He rose again, yeah, there it is. And in that act of Jesus dying on Good Friday and rising again, celebrated on Easter Sunday, we have the ultimate act of forgiveness. And so each week 
we'll be building on our knowledge on what we're learning about the idea of forgiveness heading towards the ultimate forgiveness that happened and is celebrated on Easter. So we're starting the Lord's Prayer, beginning the runway towards that understanding of forgiveness. We're seeing that we need different postures in our prayer life, in our regular life. We have perspective, we have surrender. The next one, verse 11, dependence. Give us this day our daily bread. Simple, easy. Every moment, you need God, I need God, we need God. Each and every day in every aspect of our life. We just had a series um, where we looked at Jesus in everyday life. We see that posture of dependence is needed in following Jesus. We're not worried about the future, not about tomorrow, not about next week, not about next year. We're worried about today. The future is in Jesus's hands. This is posture that doesn't look to money, to status, to objects, to likes, to the girlfriend or boyfriend for dependence, but solely dependent on God, solely dependent on Jesus. Next verse, next posture. Uh, This is a twofer, so we didn't have a a bunch, but uh, posture of humility and joy. They go together here. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So the humility aspect is admitting here that we've messed up, right? We have debts. We have done something wrong. We have to admit that we have lived the way that we wanted to sometimes and we have created these debts that we cannot repay. But the joy comes from knowing that the God of the universe is willing to pay those debts to forgive us from that sin. Humility and joy at the same time within the same posture. And finally, this one kind of undercurrents uh, the other four. Finally, we have honesty. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There's an element of honesty in accepting or admitting that without Jesus, we are going to make the same mistakes again and again and again. The honesty is asking for help. It's seen within the perspective change, the posture of our surrender, of dependence, of humility and joy. There's an element of, of honesty in that, that we need to admit the honestly to ourselves and, and from what God's word says. So we have these five, uh, kind of six, uh, postures, perspective, surrender, dependence, humility, joy, and honesty. And the question we're gonna look at a little bit later tonight in small groups is what does your prayer life say about your posture toward God? So a lot of people in Lent, they give something up for, for Lent. A lot of people add things into their life, add spiritual things, uh, habits into their lives. Some people don't do anything for Lent. That's okay too. Um, But in this season of Lent, if you haven't given up something, if you haven't added something, if you're looking for another thing to potentially add in here, uh, is to work on these postures this Lent because we all need some work. That's what Jesus is telling us by having us recite the Lord's Prayer. It's that we all need to focus and work on these different postures. And the next couple of verses kind of tell us there's a test for these postures. Verse 14 and 15, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Our posture towards God impacts our posture towards others. Put it in another way, our posture towards others reflects our posture towards God. So consider your posture as we get ready to head to a small group in a second. Are you, is there some place in your life where you're holding a grudge? Are you withholding forgiveness to someone who maybe has forgiven you or, or seeking it out? Are you avoiding someone? Are there people in your life that you can't stand? 
to be around? What is, what is the, the thing in your posture that's, that's poorly reflecting the posture that God is asking us to have towards him? That, that story about my parents, about the AP stat uh, debacle, as, as we like to refer to it now. I got home. Uh, they, they were angry. They were upset. My dad, very still, very quiet. My, my mom moving around, uh, the anger very visible. We had a conversation and, and the gist of that conversation is, yes, they were upset. Yes, that was a dumb thing to do. But ultimately, like, they, they helped me see that there was a path towards for forgiveness, both from the teacher. Yeah, I had, to go to the, I had to go to the teacher's house and apologize, and that was tough. And I think, you know, when you do something that you don't think about, and then it comes back around, and you immediately feel the weight of that thing, the shame, the guilt, the like, man, I, why did I do that? I, I, I feel terrible, like this is awful. Like I had to struggle with that. And ultimately the, my parents and the teacher and the principal all showing me forgiveness helped me really get to a point where I could forgive myself in that moment. It's easy to shrug it off, to not think it matters, but like inside there is, there is a piece of you that holds on to that guilt, holds on to that shame from, from knowing that you messed up in that moment. Being forgiven helps us to see that we can forgive ourselves if we need to as well. As we look at the posture Jesus is calling us to, I think it's important to see that Jesus doesn't just tell us to do stuff in the Bible. He often, if you just need to look in a different place, models what he's asking us to do. He doesn't just command, he shows us. And in Matthew 26, 20 chapters later, Jesus is about... To, to get up on the, on the cross. He's, it's in the garden the night before. He's set, set to die. And going a little farther, it says, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus didn't just tell us to model or didn't just tell us to, to act these, these postures into our prayer life, into our everyday life. He showed us these five postures, perspective, surrender, dependence, honesty, humility, joy. And it, it's a little wonky there, but that's because it's within a, a bigger set. He had the perspective, go to the next one, that he could save us was a perfect sacrifice, surrendered to God's will. He drew his strength from the dependence on the Holy Spirit. In the garden, he was honest about his hesitation. That, in that prayer, is, that's, that's, you're not gonna find a more honest prayer than Jesus Ask, telling God, like, I don't know if I'm ready to die tomorrow. There's a hesitation in the garden. But ultimately, he was nailed to that cross with humility. He took on the debts of our sin and shame so that we could experience the joy of life with him. Jesus doesn't just ask us to exhibit these postures into our life. He showed it. He lived it in Matthew 26 there. Will we consider this Lent uh, our posture toward God and our posture toward others as we continue to learn and understand his, po- his, his posture towards us and the forgiveness that this runway, this Lord's Prayer ultimately leads to at Easter. Uh, so we're gonna talk about that tonight in small groups. I'm gonna pray for us and then, and then Alana will come up and hand out rosters and such. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Lord Jesus, we are so excited this Lent to get to to learn more about you, to grow closer with you, to understand, to wrap our mind around this idea of forgiveness, the forgiveness that sometimes is so easy if we've been to church 
all of our lives to just throw out as, yes, we are forgiven because you died on that cross. But like to what does that actually mean? We're going to learn as we head towards Easter this year. God be with each and every one of the students and leaders here. Uh, be Guide each conversation in small group tonight and, and ultimately let us take one step further down the runway that leads to the forgiveness from you as we seek to reflect these postures that you exhibited as uh, towards others in our lives. God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.